0: Well, good morning once again. I know you're you're seeing too much of me today. That's not normally like this, I promise. In fact, we try to avoid it, really, for good reason. Um, We normally have, as I said, worship teams and people, but with vacation schedules and bereavement and different things happening in people's lives, it's a little bit uh, funky. So um, I'm very thankful whenever I get to do music, even when I break a string, because I just, my heart is I love to worship. I've always been, since I became Christian in 2001, I, I had, as I said, played in cover bands and d- done all that kinds of fun, fun, teenage angsty stuff, you know, all that grunge music and all that stuff. Uh, actually, I was, if you can believe it, you probably can believe it. I was a background screamer in a rock band once. And so I added, uh, I added screaming to layer into the, the vocals, which, which I don't do anymore. But when you're, when you're like 16, 17, 18, that's pretty much the bomb to do that. Be able to do that. And also, these days make me thankful for the, for the amazing musicians and worship team members we have. So to all, to all of our fathers here today, happy Father's Day. Some of you new fathers. I had the best. Yeah, you can clap for the fathers. I had the very best Sunday 10 years ago on June 16th. It was Father's Day in 2013, and it was a day I was supposed to preach here at New Life. It was a day I was supposed to then DJ at a church Father's Day picnic in uh, Faith Baptist in Rexford. For them, the friends of mine, and that was the morning when my first son was born, which is really pretty amazing to have a, your firstborn son on Father's Day. It was something really special, and uh, I never, I never knew that you could laugh and cry at the same time until I had my son. It just was wow. See this new new little face, and we're gonna be we're gonna be friends for a long time. We we say you know when we look at them, and it's uh such a gift to have children but just like mother's day father's day has its struggles for most people especially the longer you go through life the more um pain suffering loss you experience in this area for some of you you know who are listening online or here in person this might be your first father's day without your dad your earthly dad just very sad and we know that's, that's a hole that, that will never be filled this side of eternity. It's just such a, such a sadness that we carry with us. And I, my prayer is that God would comfort you today by his Holy Spirit, which he calls the Comforter. Think about that. God calls his Holy Spirit the Comforter, one of his names. It's an amazing, amazing reality that the Holy Spirit comforts us. So um, God is for you today, even in your loss. He's called your Heavenly Father. And, you know, your earthly father was just a small foretaste of the love and greatness of your father god i was reminded this past week that's it been almost a year since i lost my papa my mom's uh, father my only living grandfather and this is our first father's day without him which is which is also very sad i'm also reminded today of of those who who just always long to have a father figure in their life they never had one they just always long for one um my my dad's father my grandfather on my dad's side died in a tragic farming accident when my dad was just two or three years old and his mother never remarried and they were in the middle of rural Pennsylvania on a farm that his dad was supposed to be kind of running and three sisters and a mom and just never had never had a father figure in his life. Um, But somehow my dad found it in himself to bravely have five children of his own without having had a model himself of how to do that, which I think is quite amazing especially as an adult, as you become less judgmental of your parents over the years, as you realize you're just like your parents, maybe they're, you're worse than your parents, you start to realize, wow, I'm really thankful for my parents. Wow, they were, they were, they were really quite amazing. My dad just courageously um, had five kids, loved and supported us uh, as a father, even though he'd never known a father himself. So I thank God for that. But I often wonder, you know, were, were there times when he kind of longed for that thing he never had in his heart? Um, maybe, like many of us, he experienced the Father's love uh, through having our own children. You know, we sort of, to raise our own kids, we can feel just the love of the Father from God in that experience. And um, God is always fathering us, right? So, however, my dad did it, whatever mistakes he made or any of us have made as fathers, um, my dad would say to you that God's grace was the driving force in his life. He needed a lot of it, he got a lot of it. He's grown in Christ tremendously over the, over the years. And, um, you know, God's grace covers our, our nakedness, our mistakes, covers our shame, and it comforts us this side of eternity as we miss our dads and our grandparents. So happy Father's Day, with all that being said. Uh, today we're coming to the end of our Gentle and Lowly study, which is what I alluded to earlier. It's book by Dane Orland. And next week we will start our Parables of Jesus summer series, with, and the kids will be joining us in service, which is going to be a great joy. So we're hoping to just kind of... Um, Get everyone engaged and interacting uh, the great thing about jesus's teaching is that uh he he mostly taught in parables and stories and so they're memorable they're, they're easy to remember and they are so, sometimes repetitive in many ways so you get the core teachings of christ love for god love for neighbor all that all that kind of humility um be aware of the, the yeast of the Sadducees, all those kinds of messages over and over again in stories, they're easy to remember. And from kids to adults, no, these are, these are things we can get. Uh, so uh, this book, Gentle and Lowly, is actually um, something that, I, that was written in 2020. Uh, I, I picked it up probably in 21, a couple years ago, and it really did transform my perspective and help me to get a better image of who God really is than I had before, which is something we're always needing to do. We're always needing to reevaluate. Are we viewing God as, as we should? Then we, the Word of God helps us to see clearly. But this book was so instrumental in my, in my life that uh, I started just giving it away to people, uh, buying Audible books for people. It's in your email. You know, here's a copy. And many people were, were benefiting from it. It was the last thing I wanted to give to my, my grandparents as they were hitting their 90s. My grandfather has since passed away, but I bought it for my grandfather and grandmother. And um, I wanted them to know that as they rounded this final corner of their lives, both of them became believers in the 70s. They were the first generation of Christians in our family. You know, As my, as my grandmother was beginning to deal with dementia, as my grandfather's health was, was worsening, I wanted them to be sure of the hope they had in God's love, right? To not fear the uncertainties of old age and loss. And because this book was so instrumental for my own formation, and freedom from from fear really um i really wanted that for them as they entered into this phase that comes when you when you lose control you lose your home you lose you know people are leading you around and guiding you at that point when you're older and you really have to you lose a lot and it was something that they benefited from as, as well i remember when when uh, john the baptist was in prison he was suffering and he was soon to be executed by the evil king It was power-hungry he sent his disciples who were taking care of him in prison to Jesus to to say to him are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else even even in those moments of difficulty um, he was he was struggling with with his faith and Jesus said go back and report to John what you hear and see the blind receive sight the lame walk those who have leprosy are cleansed the deaf hear the dead are raised the good news is proclaimed to the poor Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now, John, he had had heralded Jesus' coming, as I said. He had baptized Jesus and seen and heard, presumably, the approval of the Father over Jesus when he was baptized. John was the Elijah character that that was prophesied about, that would come and herald the coming Messiah and and just make a straight path for him and to begin uh, baptizing people for repentance so they could be ready to receive Jesus when he came, right? And now John, suffering, he lost everything He'd lost his control over his life. In a moment like this, you know, even the greats of the faith, even these people we look up to can struggle with doubt. You know, is Jesus really who he says he is? Can he be trusted? Are we safe with him, or should we expect somebody else? And Jesus' loving answer to John was not really a rebuke, but was, a, was an appeal to John's knowledge of the Old Testament. He was an expert in the Old Testament, a, a prophet. And so he, he shares the characteristics of the Messiah from the Old Testament in a way that John knows, John will understand. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. It's like he's saying to John, I am he, I am the Messiah, foretold in your scriptures. You can trust in me, come what may, both in this life and the next. And then John passed on into glory, right? It's amazing, amazing comfort to know know the heart of God, and at those times of great difficulty, like my grandparents were going through in that season, like John the Baptist was going through in that season of persecution, and many have gone through, and many of you have gone through, believing in the love, character, and reliability of God the Father is extremely important. Now, those are the times when you see, does, does what I believe about God sit on the pavement of my mind, or does it sink into the soil of my heart? As my, my friend Rob Reiner says, Rob Reimer, um, is it Is the truth of God sitting on the pavement of our heads or sinking into the soil of our hearts? The final chapter in Gentle and Lowly sums it up so well, uh, teaching on Ephesians 2, 7, that Jesus can be trusted as our gentle shepherd now, to love us now and love us to the end, to love us in the ages to come. And all of this is not our works, but a gift of God. For those of us that trust in Christ, the argument is, if Jesus died for us while we were still drowning in our sins and acting as enemies of God, you know, how can we doubt his love for us now that we are attempting to follow him imperfectly in repentance and faith? Romans eight thirty one thirty two 32 says just that. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Amen let's read our passage today in Ephesians 2 1 to 10 together as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It's a gift. Your salvation is a gift, a grace. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves it is a gift of God not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do notice paul he sandwiches the truth of God's love between saying the statement this is by grace oh and by the way this is by grace it's all a gift for those of us in Christ it's a gift we don't earn it it's given to us My prayer is that this scripture will minister to you this morning as we talk about it. You know, through this passage, God is making an appeal to us towards faith in his goodness and love. To paraphrase it, it says something like, remember, you were once dead in your transgressions and sins. In other words, you were walking in them. You were walking in the muck. You were participating in them willfully, but not by accident. You're walking exactly as was mapped out for you by the world in which we live, which is not under the full control of, which is under the influence of evil, as this passage says. Um, there's darkness in the world. You were doing whatever seemed right in your culture's eyes. You were doing whatever seemed right in the eyes of your family of origin, if you will, or your, or your friend group. Whatever seemed right to you, that's what you were doing. And um, all of these things, perhaps unbeknownst to you, were leading you into hopelessness and towards spiritual death, because all of them We're leading them away from God's best for your life, your Creator's amazing plan for you. And then, at that moment, at just the right moment, when you were completely helpless, notice it says dead, not sick. Dead. In fact, cursing or mocking God in your heart. At that moment, God had mercy on you. again, Romans 5, 6-8. While we were still weak at, our, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us before we did anything. In fact, when we were going the opposite direction. One will not die for a righteous person. Maybe for a good person, one would dare to die, but God shows his love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. This is something that needs to make it from the mind to the heart. This is Truth that we need in real time to walk out our faith. This is the gospel. Our passage in Ephesians has that wonderful phrase in it, which everyone always, all the all the preachers say you should look for. But God, it's uh, it's that turning point where you're sharing um, your Christmas letter or everything that's gone wrong, and then but then this happened, right? Um, but God it says in verse four, but God. After all your death and walking in these ways and being dead in your sins. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. The great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Here it is again. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. The bottom line is it's all been a gift given to us out of a heart of love. That's what motivated God's heart to send Jesus love for his people. And the the Apostle Paul is so moved by his thoughts of the love of God for people that he says, but God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, you know, to talk talk about some of it sounds redundant. But this is an emphasis because of the great love god had for people that were fun, acting like his enemies mocking him turning away from him sending it up his great love for those people even when we were dead in our trespasses he made us alive together with christ by grace you've been saved by gift you've been saved and raised up and seed in the heavenly places in christ and then this this verse that's just so interesting so mysterious so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace kindness towards us in Christ Jesus so he loves us then he loves us now he will love us forever in the ages to come something I took to heart in this study of gentle and lowly is that it's not just our actions that are sinful but you know sin is more of a is, is is a darkness that breaks down our thought processes Yes, that will lead to behaviors that are sinful, but it's all—it's actually the power of sin and delusion and darkness that keeps us from hearing the message of God's love of gra- love and grace in Jesus Christ. Our our sinful thinking keeps us from accepting the great love which, which, with which Jesus loves us, and causes us to focus on negative things or things we don't understand, and push aside the things that are very clear in Scripture. It's something that's natural to us. Our thoughts can even blind us to God's gift of love and grace. So we can hear it, we can hear it, we can maybe believe it in our minds, but, but it's shaky. It's not in our hearts. It's not something we believe from our core that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That when we sin now, Christ still loves us and wants to pull us from that way of living and has a better way for us. He's a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, however many chances are given is dependent on how, how often you come to Jesus, you know? He, he's giving them out. He's giving out grace to each person that's following him. The only thing that can keep you from receiving that is not coming to him at all. You have to let the truth of God's great love with which he loved us sink beneath our cynical minds into our hardened hearts, and to soften those hearts. If we can't believe a pastor like Ephesians 2 is possible for us, you know, what we're saying is we're an exception. You know, we are particularly unlovable. You know, we're not good enough to receive it somehow. Christ died for sinners, but I'm the worst sinner, so he, can't, he couldn't have died for me. Somehow, these kinds of thoughts are, is, is your sin nature speaking to your mind, trying to talk you out of God's love and forgiveness and grace. It's just our minds. But this passage, and many, many like it in the scripture, are for you. You know, God is appealing to your lesser thoughts of him when he, can, he, when he's, he tries to write in hi, hyperbole, and in, in, in not exaggeration, but in big, um, in big images that really convey the truth. When you were dead in your sins, God died for you. That's a really big thing. So if you're not dead and you're struggling or you are you feel you are falling short uh, as long as you're still alive you are you are not hopeless you know what he's saying this to us you weren't just sick you were dead you were functioning as enemy of god choosing to walk in your own way and god didn't wait for you to get your act together but while you were in this hopeless predicament god came to earth in christ in jesus he died fulfilled his own law completely and uh something we could never do to cover our sins after this he was raised from the dead and offers resurrection life to every person that comes to him the same spirit that brought jesus christ to life indwells every believer and can also give life to your mortal bodies your mind your heart soul spirit emotions anything you want to say the spirit possibility is there because of the resurrection of Christ and today's passage as a way of putting a bow on this is and also all of this is it's a gift it's grace it's by the gift of God that you've been saved it's been a gift from the first time you received it or heard it to the last time you'll see and hear it you now the Bible teaches that if God loved us that loved us at this way in the beginning He will surely continue to love us like this to the end because his love and saving action toward us does not change despite our poor performance. And why did God do this? Why did God make us live with Christ and see us in the heavenly realms uh, even while we are still making our pilgrimage down here? In Ephesians 2, 7, it tells us why. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. All of this gift that God's given us in this life is for the purpose that in the coming ages he might continue to show us the riches of his love and kindness in Christ Jesus um, when we are away to be with him. What an amazing thought that is. And again, none of this is a result of works, but a gift from God. God saved us so that this, in this age that we live in and in the age to come, he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. So taking this kind of point by point, the passage says his riches are, towards us, are immeasurable. His kind gift of grace is immeasurable. Our failures can never overcome God's grace for us. His riches are immeasurable. I I love how Dane Orland says in his book, our moments of feeling utterly overwhelmed by life are where God's heart lives. If his grace and kindness is immeasurable, then our sins can never exhaust the heart of God. On the contrary, the more weakness and failure, the more his heart goes out to his own. His grace is a gift, and his kindness is his desire to do all that he can to save and help his people, to prevent, to prevent those, those things in our lives that are not his will. The kindness of of god the grace of god rises to me every challenge that we bring to god in our brokenness you know there's really nothing that he can't work with when we come to god he has a custom made grace for our journey that he can fill in the image of uh the old testament image of what the messiah would do it says he would raise up the valleys and bring down the mountains that's kind of what god does in our lives if you think of water filling, filling something, um, as our need rises, his grace rises to meet us every time. That's an amazing thought. And again, the only condition that you, that you have on this reception is coming to him and believing that he is good and loves you, despite the fact that you are not perhaps performing the way that you wish you were or that, or that you think he wishes you were. He wants to meet you by his grace. and His grace, his strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. And the reason for that is because in your weaknesses, his grace, like water, comes and just fills and overflows. That's, that's that moment when you come to Jesus in weakness. You receive his grace for something you're struggling with. It overflows. It overflows. This kindness is not expressed in, a, in just a general way, but in our passage it's expressed to each of us personally in our deepest places of need. In the coming ages, he might express to each of us the wonders of his grace. This reminds me of another lesson that we took from this study that God's grace, as I said, is suited to meet the ongoing needs that we have for him. We talked about going through seasons of life, parenting, uh, losing people, grief, uh, job transitions, great needs, and, and things that we desire in our lives that are just not there, and, or, or struggles that we have with sin or otherwise, and God's grace, personally, because of his great love for us, meets us in those, those moments when we come to him. Just come to him, for he is gentle and humble in heart. He's gentle and wants to help his people. He loves his people. That's why he came. So it's not just a general blanket, but there's grace for you, for your particular journey and what you're going through. I love Romans 5.5. five. 5. says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. It's, uh, his provision actually can come from in, inside out because the spirit of Christ is within us. The fruit of the spirit and the love of God is poured out into our lives and our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he has given us. This is a very, just a very personal relationship we have with God. In our unique difficulties and struggles, our, our hurts, our grief, our loss, our pain, in all of these places, from inside out, the Holy Spirit pours God's love, comfort, and grace in its many forms in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given to each of us. Amazing. Finally, for those who are in Christ Jesus, they are promised in the words of our author that all of the haunted brokenness that infects everything, every relationship, every conversation, every family system, every troubling email, every awakening to consciousness in the morning, everything will one day be rewound and reversed. This is when God turns darkness into light. This is God's redemption, right? The more darkness and pain we experience in this life, the more, the more glory and relief in the next. And all of this pouring out of God's grace and love does not happen just in this age, but in the age to come as we, year after year, in the presence of God, whatever time looks like, we glory in the grace he's given us. Paul ends this whole thought process saying, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, says in the scriptures that from from the time we were in our mother's womb, God knit us together. He has a purpose and a plan for us, each of us with our different uh, personalities, giftings, temperaments, introverts, extroverts, whatever, in between um, gifts and talents, skills, all these things knit into us by the Father. And he has good works, which he's prepared in advance for his people to do. Um, God loves to give his grace, his gift of grace to people, who then submit to him, who turn to come to Jesus, as the word invites us to do in Matthew 11, and then to take all that unique beauty, giftings, talents, treasures, everything that you are, and use it, use you in a unique way for a purpose that he's prepared in advance for you to do. know there's nothing, there's nothing better than when a Christian discovers you know their spiritual gifts, discovers. Who God's created them to be, and then finds a way to an outlet for that ministry. It's a beautiful thing, and when you are serving God in the place He's called you to do, whether that be in your career, whether that be in um, your church, whether that be in inside or outside the walls of this place, God is glorified and does a unique work through you that He probably couldn't, that He wouldn't do through anyone except for you, because you're the one that He's created to do it. It's an amazing thought that we are given grace so that we could then walk in these works which God's prepared in advance for us to do. And we can walk confidently because if we fail, if we, if we lack strength, if we have difficulty, what do we do? We come to Jesus and he fills us and we keep going. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And when you're walking in that calling, it's like you're being refreshed at the same time as you're pouring yourself out. That's what that's like. And that's, I think God has a, has a plan for everyone. Says, our author says, in the, in the coming age, we will descend ever deeper into God's immeasurable grace and kindness, into his very heart. And the more we understand of it, the more we will see it to be beyond understanding and immeasurable. In just a moment, we're going to close in worship, and we're going to wrap up this series. And the only, the only response the author says we should make to this entire book, and the only, the only response I think that we should make in response to this study and what God has done in us is to come to Jesus. Just to come to Jesus. All who labor, they're heavy laden, he will give you rest. Now, Learning about God's love was never meant to be an academic exercise, but an experiential reality. The Pharisees were criticized by by Christ, the teachers of the law, not because they didn't know their Bibles, but because they knew their Bibles but failed to come to Jesus. That was the criticism he had for them. So learning about God's love is never meant to be academic, to know the most facts about Jesus and God's love, but to let these things sink deeply into us and experience them in our reality. And as we often say at New Life, it's our desire to live in God's presence, where his gift of kindness is made manifest to us and to the world in which we live. So as our lives are on display, as we come to Jesus, people will see, not hopefully not proud religious people who harshly condemn others, but people that have received God's abundant grace they will see the riches of God, God's love, on display in normal people who are flawed, but honest, and allow God to show His strength in their weaknesses and in humility. And the only way to 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 avoid missing God's grace is to just listen to that sinful traitor inside of you that's saying, "No, it's not for me. Nope, nope, nope." And just receive, receive the love of God. We are all safe and well in Christ no matter what comes, Heavenly Father, in all of our different journeys and paths in life, in all of our unique um, uniqueness, and in all of those ways in which we sorely need your gift of grace and love to be applied. And <laughs> we come to you just as we are. Because you are the God that comes to us. You're the God who draws near to us when we draw near to you. And you are the God that redeems our lives from the pit and crowns us with love and compassion. You are the God that convinces us of your love by sending Jesus when we were dead in our sins. How much more will you then, along with Jesus, give us all things? Thank you for loving us where we are and gently leading us like a shepherd towards your best for us ready to do your will. I thank you that we are secure. who are in Christ. Nothing can separate us from your love. That we are as good as seated with you in the heavenly realms. Secure, safe. And that your provision is there for every, every journey, every personality quirk, every, every stumble and fall. Your grace is enough. Bless your people, God. Let them grow in grace and truth. Let us grow to know your heart. Pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ.